who, in your mind, who's the starting other guard? First of all, did you say Obre Jr.? Come on, bro. It's Obre Jr. Man, get it together. First of all, you got to get the names right. Okay. You get your names right say. for all these stats well, you do? first you of all, right? you know, Anthony wants the big, everyone's got the big three. Anthony wants, like, the big ten. <laughs> five. Five would do. Just give me a starting five. What do you, what do you think, like, Okay, you know? okay. All right, stop the shenanigans. <laughs> all of a sudden. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Matter Stats Podcast. Anthony flying solo this week as uh, both Kobe and Billy are off. Man, those guys have more PTO time than Darvin Ham has cliches at the end of a Laker loss. It's ridiculous. But anyways, here I am holding down the fort, and uh, <clears throat> we'll get through uh, a, few, a couple different Laker topics we want to touch on this week. Um, but before we do, we want to remind everybody to please check out the Matter Stats podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Check us out on Instagram, check us out on X, and check out our YouTube page. We really appreciate it. Uh, so, all right, let's start, of course, with uh, our little Laker recap of the week that was. So the Lakers struggling yet again. This seems to definitely be a theme. Uh, after a double overtime, thrilling one-point win uh, at Golden State, the Lakers follow it up with um, back-to-back losses, bad blowout losses to the Rockets and the Atlanta Hawks. So three games into this road trip, the Lakers are 1-2 and two and could very easily be 0-3. And, three and uh, doing it against subpar opponents. These are teams that are lower in the standings than the Lakers are, and they're struggling to beat anybody right now, good or bad. And the Houston loss was really embarrassing. They were down 30 at one point. You thought maybe, I know Anthony Davis didn't play in Atlanta, but you thought maybe they would come out sort of inspired and fired up after, you know, the Darvin Ham talking about how they got to, you know, it's about effort and look in the mirror and all that stuff. But no, they put up another goose egg, so to speak, in Atlanta and just get run out the building, down 20. They make it look a little interesting at the end, but still ends up in another double-digit loss. And it just begs the question, uh, is this Laker team going to be able to turn it around? We're already past the halfway point. We're a week away from the trade deadline. And this team seems to be completely disconnected, uh, struggling on both ends of the floor. Defensively, they're a mess right now. They're giving up well over 125 points in uh, every game, it seems. But especially in the last five, they're just getting their doors blown off defensively. And I just don't know what the identity of this team is or going or is going to be. And there's just a lot of question marks with are the players motivated? Has Darvin Ham you know lost this team? Does Darvin Ham, you know, know what he's doing? You know, are are they making adjustments? Uh the rotations uh, are always a question mark. So uh it really it really leaves a lot to be desired and a lot of questions we're asking as Laker fans. So we'll dive into um, a couple things here, but 
Lakers sit ninth in the West, um, and they go to Boston next. That figures to be another daunting task, uh, looking more likely that it'll be their third loss in a row than snapping this ugly two-game losing streak. So we'll see how that plays out over the rest of this road trip. All right, we want to move into another little topic here. So obviously there's been a lot of talk about the Lakers' problems here as we move forward. Is it Darvin Ham? Is it the players? Is it injuries? You know, what do they need to make a trade? And it brought me to the question thinking, uh, you know, what is the number one priority right now for this Lakers team? Like, where do you start to fix the problems? Is it coaching? Is it rotations? Is it just trying to find a way to get healthy? Is it we have to make a trade to improve this roster uh, because these guys just aren't very good? Um, is it is it just frustration? Is it lack of uh, chemistry? Like, where do you start uh, to prioritize the the needs of this team that need to be corrected. And obviously, over the last um, couple of weeks, but particularly over the last couple of days, there's been a lot of criticism of Darvin Ham. If you go on any social media outlet, turn on any um, radio station or 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 sports show that talks Lakers, <clears throat> they're all talking uh, Darvin Ham's a problem. He's lost the team. He's got to go. He doesn't know what he's doing. And, uh, you know, they're fair points. Uh, Darvin Ham might be a, a, a part of the problem. He might be the biggest part of the problem, but he's not the only problem. Um, I think where people get frustrated with Ham is it doesn't appear that his sideline demeanor generates an image of somebody that <clears throat> schematically knows how to make adjustments uh, in-game to improve outcomes. But I think more importantly, the biggest issue, at least for me, is the rotations. And there's been a lot of chatter over the last few days. It's, it's not a secret. It's, it's not sophisticated. Anybody can look up these stats on NBA.com. And, you know, essentially, when Torian Prince plays you know, a lot of minutes, when he plays over 25 minutes in these games, the Lakers basically are terrible. They lose. And it just makes people wonder, why does he, why is he still starting? Why is he playing more minutes than Vando? Why is he playing more minutes than Rui when the numbers and the metrics and the analytics all show that the Laker lineups are all better when Prince is not in the lineup? They're, you know, they're all a, a much higher net rating. They all have a better plus minus when Prince is not in the lineup. So it just makes you wonder, you know, why does the coaching staff just not care? Do they not recognize it? Do they not have enough people in the analytics department that can clearly pull up anything on NBA.com and plug in and say, hey, look at this. When Torian Prince is out there too much, we stink. We lose. When Rui's out there, guess what? Lineups are way better. They're more efficient. When Vando's out there, guess what? Lineups are way better. They're more efficient. So I think that is probably my biggest concern with Darvin Ham is 
if it seems obvious, why can't him and the rest of the coaching staff identify, okay, we can't go out and trade for Luca tomorrow, but what we can do is we can stop playing Torian Prince 35 minutes and play some of these other guys that are clearly giving us better lineups, more positive lineups on the floor. So I think that's one, you know, scenario, one or one uh, of the priorities. Um, Obviously, trade is a big thing. We're about a week away from the trade deadline. So the chatter is just going to get, you know, much uh, louder as we get to to, uh, next week's actual deadline. And of course, there was a lot of hype last night when they were in Atlanta because you had D'Lo going against DeJounte Murray. And, of course, the optics of that did not play out well for the Lakers. D'Lo had a terrible game. He had been on fire, which we all know, playing extremely good offensive high-level basketball, uh, averaging you know over 25 points a game, uh, had a, a tremendous month of January. Uh, and then <clears throat> coming into last night's game, the end, the last game of the month, of course, for January for the Lakers, he had a bad night. It was terrible. I think he had nine points. He really struggled. And it didn't help that DeJounte Murray was great. He had, you know, like 25 points. He grabbed some boards. He got his assists. He, you know, was making baskets in the lane, getting to the hoop, hitting jumpers. And he pretty much was um, the guy that kind of put the nail in the coffin. Every, every time the Lakers were kind of trying to make a little run there towards the end of the third quarter or, you know, early in the fourth quarter, it seemed like DeJounte Murray would just get to the hoop, five-footer, get to the hoop, ten-footer. So it didn't help that he helped seal the deal in the loss and completely outperformed D'Lo. Now, if the Lakers are going to make any kind of a trade, you know, guys have to come out. For guys to come in, salaries have to match. So, if the Lakers are going to trade for virtually anybody, it would they would have to get rid of some combination of D'Lo, Rui, Gabe Vincent, Torrey, and Prince. Those are the most uh, tradable contracts and players that uh, would go salary-wise to match to get anybody close. So, if you wanted to trade for Dejounte Murray, some combination of those guys would have to go. If you wanted to trade for some of the other rumored names, uh, like Finney Smith or um, Caruso, uh, Dimwitty, who I'm not a big fan of, but all of those guys make around the same amount of money. So to match salaries and make it work, the Lakers would have to uh, you know, ship out those type of players. So if you're going to bring back somebody decent, you pretty much have to wrap your head around the fact that D'Lo or Rui or both, will almost 100% have to go. And now it could be Reeves, of course, but everything, all indications are that the Lakers are not going to trade Reeves. So D'Lo and Rui, probably the most likely candidates <clears throat> to go in any kind of a package, especially if it's going to be for a player like DeJounte Murray, who's probably the biggest name or best player the Lakers would be able to acquire uh, given who's available and given the construction of their roster 
and the cap flexibility they have as far as tradable contracts. So who knows? Maybe the Lakers will try to get DeJounte Murray. I've been an advocate of getting DeJounte Murray. I know D'Lo had a great stretch here in January. I still think that if I could flip D'Lo and draft picks and, you know, whatever to get a guy like DeJounte Murray, I would absolutely do it. I think that it would help the Lakers immediately for this year. But I also think there's a little bit more of a a better future with DeJounte Murray. He's 27. I think he's just a better all-around player. And he, I think, would be a better fit long-term if you're looking also at the life after LeBron window. And you got DeJounte Murray, Austin Reeves, Anthony Davis. It's not a terrible place to start. And his contract is manageable. It's not a Zach Levine, 40-plus million dollar a year contract the Lakers would have to saddle themselves with. So I think that's important. Um, I know the the Lakers are also looking at, you know, smaller level moves, maybe bulk up some of the role players around the starters. Um, But I love the idea of DeJounte Murray, uh, if Rob can pull that off. Um, I would be very surprised if the Lakers don't make any moves. I would... I would guess that if if the Lakers were hypothetically to make no trades at the deadline, to me that kind of signals that the Lakers know that this this season's a wrap. Nothing they could do or can do is going to get them to a, a point where they're good enough to beat the Denver's or the Clippers or the Suns or the Celtics or whoever. And they just don't want to take on any salary to go up any draft picks because they don't think it's worth it. Now, hopefully that's not the case. We never want to sort of throw in the towel, but we'll see. We'll, and we'll talk more about that next week as we get closer to uh, the trade deadline. <laughs> Okay, so we talked about Ham and the coaching staff and um, the coaching decisions that they make. We talked about trades and uh, the probability of that and improving the roster. And I think for me, uh, another third priority or you know or problem to look at here is the front office. And specifically, what off what does what role does the front office play in all of this? Not just from uh, Rob's perspective of, okay, he's got to go out and get better players. I mean, uh, what role do they play in managing this disaster, right? Like, do they just sit back and let Ham do whatever he wants? Like, as far as rotations and um, on and off the uh, court decisions, do they get involved? Should they get involved? Do they have an obligation to be like, you know, hey, Darvin, um, why don't we play Rui more? Why is Prince starting? Or how come we don't use more out of Christian Wood? Um, you know, does, does, does Genie and the ownership, do they have to be like, hey, Rob, you put this team together. <clears throat> it's a mess. You need to figure something out. And, you know, do they do they all collaborate together? Uh, Because I think one thing 
is the Lakers don't have a huge front office, right? Some teams obviously have uh, a, a very big, robust front office, right? They have lots of uh, voices in the room, lots of you know minds in the decision-making process, and lots of opinions. Uh, you know, and sometimes lots of opinions are a great thing. Sometimes too many opinions uh, lead to uh, problems because you can't make uh, the decisions you want to make, right? You can't have, right? You always you always say you can't have two CEOs, right? But you do have to have people in the room and a chain of command that everybody sort of collaborates. Um, you know, I'm always a believer that, uh, you know, more smart minds in the room helps to collaborate and create uh, a better process and end result. And the Lakers, you know, they have a, a small front office, right? They don't have a, a president and a GM that Rob is, is all of it. They don't have an assistant GM. Um, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a smaller uh, team where, you know, Rob, he sort of runs the show, right? So it, it just kind of makes me wonder, uh, you know, where do they stand in all of this? Clearly they can't be happy with the results, so I just wonder how much do they need to get involved? How much are they involved? Should they be more involved? Uh, should they be less involved? Are they, you know, I don't think they're micromanaging the situation, but, you know, you never know. Like, so I think to, for me, that's probably the third, uh, you know, priority, uh, you know, and then after that, uh, the, the players, for the most part, uh, have have played uh, and 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 played the majority of the games. Gabe Vincent's been the only one that hasn't played a lot, uh, but we talked about this uh, over the last couple of weeks. LeBron and Anthony Davis have played almost every single game. They played extremely well. They're having great seasons. You just got the greatest month of D'Lo's career, and still this team is below 500, playing mediocre basketball and hasn't been able to put together any type of a legitimate winning streak that would lead you to believe that they are a team that can figure it out without any sort of change in direction, any sort of uh, you know, change in the course. And I think if you were to take out the in-season tournament games, the Lakers would be one of the worst teams in the league. And they would be literally, you know, you're talking – uh, six, seven games below 500 if the in-season tournament games uh, didn't count. So it just makes you wonder, uh, this team, has this team really been actually bad the entire season, but the in-season tournament was just sort of like a little bit of a, a fluke? Because I know a lot of us were thinking, well, we saw what they did in the in-season tournament, so when they get in the playoffs, that's what they're going to be able to do. But I don't know because we haven't seen it since the in-season tournament and despite getting great performances from Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and D'Lo for an entire month, they still can't string together wins consistently and, you know, that's a major problem. So to recap, I sort of prioritize the <clears throat> problematic needs here of <clears throat> coaching, trades, front office players. So that's my opinion on how I would rank, uh, you know, where the Lakers should be looking to prioritize their um, needs of change, if you will.
All right, before we get out of here, we want to do our weekly sports headlines that we like to end the show with now, or as Bill likes to call, our end lines. Um, So this week's sports headlines uh, start off with some NFL coaching moves. Uh, The Falcons, they have hired Rams defensive coordinator Raheem Morris as their new head coach. Uh, The Panthers, Kobe's Panthers, have another new head coach, this time it's Bucks offensive coordinator Dave Canales, as well as the Seahawks. They are expected to name Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald to be their new head coach. So most of the NFL coaching jobs now are all filled, and uh, no Bill Belichick anywhere. Kind of interesting. Uh, the Super Bowl is all set. Unfortunately, Billy's Lions will not be participating in it. Uh, however, it will feature the defending champion Kansas City Chiefs as they will face the San Francisco 49ers a couple weeks from now in Vegas. Uh, in some pretty cool NBA, um, WNBA All-Star news, so uh, Steph Curry and Sabrina Inescu will go head-to-head in a three-point shooting contest at this year's NBA All-Star weekend. So that's kind of exciting. Uh, they it was rumored and uh, became official a couple days ago. They will um, go head to head in a three point shootout. And Sabrina said that she will actually shoot from the NBA three point line. So that's kind of cool. Uh, Sabrina, of course, uh, you know, had that tremendous um, showing at last year's WNBA All Star game where she only missed two shots. And to go against uh, Steph, uh, the greatest of all time. It figures to be a, a pretty fun, exciting uh, thing. So kind of a cool thing that they put together. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, and uh, in some college basketball news, a legendary college basketball coach, Mr. Tom Izzo, he won his 700th career game. So he's been at Michigan State for quite some time. And uh, kudos to uh, him. He's a legend in the game, and 700 wins is quite an accomplishment. And that will wrap up our headlines and thus wrap up our show this week. So as always, appreciate you guys tuning in, hanging out with me. And um, please check out Matter of Stats Podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Check us out on Instagram. Check us out on X. Check out our YouTube page. And um, we appreciate you guys listening. And we look forward to uh, coming back next week, back and better than ever. And the fellows will be back, so it'll be a lot of fun. Thanks a lot, and see you next week.